the question I, I would encourage you to be thinking about as summer is quickly upon us is this question. How can I use this coming summer as an opportunity to share Jesus? How can I use this coming summer as, a, as an opportunity to share Jesus? Do we, do we look at our calendars that way? Uh, we look at them, okay, as far as like, what's the family vacation going to be? What's the plan going to be? When are we in town? When are we not? As far as scheduling for, you know, if the kids have sports or swim lessons or whatever that would be, or if you have a hobby that you're interested in, you want to go fishing and you want to make sure you're out on, on opening day or, or whatever that would be, do you look at your calendar that way? How, how can I use this season, this time, to go share Jesus and make much of him in my life? If you haven't before, I would encourage you to do that this summer. It might be as simple as inviting someone to come be a part of uh, something that we're doing here at church or in your home even, uh, or maybe it's going out in, into uh, your community and spending time uh, walking through your neighborhood, praying that all those who are in your neighborhood would come to know Jesus. Well, all are welcome to explore who Jesus is here at Meadowland. That is who we are about. We are unashamedly about Jesus. I also want to ask, in addition to how was your spring break, how was your Easter weekend? We had an awesome celebration for those who were here with us. Uh, we saw over 200 people come through the doors uh, as we celebrated that Jesus is risen. It was such a great time to be together. I also want to put out a big thank you uh, to our volunteers uh, who prepared and uh, served and, and all the work that went in uh, to not, not only making every Sunday happen, but specifically Easter Sunday and some of the extra time that went into that. Uh, to our volunteers, you, you're making a difference. As part of what we do here is we invite people to come and see who God is and what Jesus is like by being a part of uh, our services on a Sunday. The work you put into making Sundays happen is making a difference. God was glorified as we celebrated that truth that Jesus is risen. Well, even though Easter has come and gone, still this Easter season that we're still uh, kind of in a little bit, you still see some of this stuff in the stores that's on the clearance rack half off and all that kind of stuff, but we're still kind of in the season of renewal and an openness towards Jesus, to where someone is at least maybe a little more willing to have a conversation about God and about faith. We can ask this question of ourselves. Where, where are you on your journey with Jesus? Where are you in your relationship with God? I think there's probably three different places that we could be. Some of you are, are here, you just want to learn about who Jesus is. You're investigating who he is, but you, you, don't, you haven't trusted in him as your Lord and Savior yet, but you're just trying to you know, figure it out. You have some questions you want to have addressed, and again, if that's you, we're glad you're here. As we step into this next series, uh, I, I hope and pray that you'll get to see what it means to be a follower of Jesus and that you'll get to know who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Maybe you're here and you're a relatively new follower. Uh, you just accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, trusted in him, received that gift that he gave uh, to each one of us, and your sin is now dealt with in Jesus at the cross. As we step into this new series, I, my hope and prayer is that we'd walk together in some of your next steps on, on your journey with God. Some of us here are maybe experienced, and we've been a Christian for quite a while. You know, if you were to say, you know, when did you come to know Christ? Say, when I was really young, or it's been uh, well over a decade. We have all kinds of experience in following Jesus. Wherever you are in there, one of the values here at Meadowlands, we acknowledge that growing things change. And as our heart and our prayer for each one of us here is that we be growing in our relationship with God. We be growing in our understanding and that change would be taking place as God grows in us 
and through us. And so the question we can ask is, is what happens if, if we haven't? If we were to look at our life and say, you know what, I, I don't really feel like I've grown recently. Sure, I've, there's all kinds of things that, you know, I feel like I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing as a follower of Jesus, but man, what do I do if I just feel like I haven't grown in my walk with God? Well, if we were to take a step away from spiritual matters and look at physical matters as far as how we grow developmentally uh, from you know, a baby into a toddler into children into young adults into uh, adults, hopefully we go through that process uh, there's all kinds of different ways that you can look at how we grow and develop and there's all kinds of experts that kind of categorize it and break it down different ways but there's one thing that they all agree on and the one thing they all agree on is just because there's stages of development doesn't mean you're going to go through them all you can get stuck at any point along the way i think we've all met the 45 year old man who you wonder, as, as our previous pastor used to say, I think you're living in mom's basement with your Star Wars sheets. Because you haven't grown up. You're still acting like a big kid. We've probably met those people in our lives, and, and we can get stuck at any point. And the same is true for our spiritual life sometimes. We can get stuck. Maybe we get complacent. We get caught up in the things of this world. We just get caught up in doing life. And next thing you know, hey, a whole season has gone by, and we haven't really thought about the matters of God. We haven't really thought about the will of Jesus and what it is in our lives. We've lost focus of eternity. We're, we're living for tomorrow and not for eternity. Maybe we just got sidetracked. I know life gets busy. You know, at, at, you know, there's always that next holiday. There's the next season, the next something to prepare for. Okay, spring break is over, but now summer's coming, so we have to be doing all this. And There's always something to prepare for. There's always something to clean up after, right? We just get sidetracked and we lose focus of eternity. But Meadowland, hear this. Because the tomb was empty, because Jesus is risen, your eternity matters. My eternity matters. As you think about our community, their eternity matters. Because they have one. Because there is eternal life that is offered us in Jesus. Because he overcame death. As we talked about last week, he brought death to death and brings us life. And so eternity matters. See, we were, that's why we're about lives changed and disciples made, about seeing people trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior so that they can be with God in paradise for all eternity. You know, a common phrase we have around here is that life is a journey. And sometimes we finish that, that kind of phrase a little differently. One of the common ways we end it is life is a journey. Let's walk together. Uh, no one should have to do life alone. It's our desire to help each other identify what our next steps are and to take those next steps together, whether it be serving on a volunteer team or joining a home group or even if it's going to uh, the next uh, class or meeting, going to a Welcome to Meadowland or membership class. We saw last week where nine people took their next step in their journey of being baptized. That was such an awesome time together. And church, one of the things I absolutely loved, I just got to give you props for, is after that service, every time I saw someone who just got baptized, I mean, they were just getting hounded by people, like congratulating them and saying, awesome job, so proud of you. It was such a great response because it really was a huge step of faith and obedience that they took. And so it was great to see that response. But I also talked to them. Some people who got baptized, they said, yeah, you know, this is great. Thank you so much for you know, facilitating this. But it feels like it just came and went so fast. And I can understand that. It's like, okay, one minute you're dry, next minute you're wet, and, and everyone's cheering for you. And then you go change. Now you're dry again. 
What, what changed? What's, what's different about you then? You can say, okay, well, I, I took that step of obedience and I got baptized. Okay, well, what do I do next? You know, I forgot to change my socks and my shoes are squishy now. I mean, it's, it's like, well, what happens next after I got baptized? And whatever your next step is, you can always say, okay, well, now what? What's different? Maybe as we think about the season. Now that Easter is coming to an end, you say, hey, what's next? For some people out there, all right, I'm good till Christmas. You know? We just celebrate that Jesus is risen, but what does tomorrow look like? And see, that's why we're stepping in this new series called He is Risen, Living in the Reality of the Resurrection. As followers of Jesus, we want to live each and every day in the truth that that tomb is empty, and the truth that He is risen. When we look at the the daily life of follower of Jesus. What, what does it look like to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of his? And I, I want to ask some questions for just reflection real quick. And this is going to be something that's going to help us gauge where we are in our journey. And as I ask these questions, um, for those who aren't followers of Jesus, Jesus, you'll hear some of these. Okay, this will maybe help you understand a little bit uh, what it means to follow Jesus. And for those who are followers, maybe you'll hit a question here or there. It's like, you know what? I'm not sure how I can answer that. And maybe that's an area in your life where God's wanting to help you take your next step. But just, here's a few questions just for reflection as we enter into this new series of He is Risen, Living in the Reality of the Resurrection. So what is one thing, this is a question you could ask yourself, what is one thing that I have been learning about God recently? Simple question. What's, what's one thing I've been learning about God recently? If you can't answer that question, that means, okay, well, have I not been learning anything? Well, if I haven't, then why? Well, where, you, know, you can begin to walk down that road. What's something that God's been teaching me? This will maybe give you some insight into your devotional life, the time you spend with God privately. When was the last time I shared my testimony of life change? When's the last time I shared how my life is different with someone because I have Jesus in my life? When's the last time I shared my story of how I came to know Jesus with someone so that I could share Jesus with them? Maybe the God would move in their lives and that they would take that step. There was a season where I thought about that and I'm like, wow, it's been way too long. If I really believe Jesus is who he is, then man, this should motivate me, move me to a place where I want to share my story uh, of how God's moving in my life. Who am I encouraging in their faith? Who am I pouring into? Who, who, who am I being encouraged, encouraged by? Who's pouring into me? Who am I doing life with? Who has the permission to speak hard truths into my life? That's always a difficult one. Have you given a trusted Christian brother or sister the freedom to speak into your life, the permission to speak in your life, the invitation to speak into your life a hard truth? Someone who can say, hey, I saw you doing this, and, and it doesn't jive with who you claim to be. And they don't say it out of judgment, they say it out of love. I care about you too much to let you keep going that way. Let's talk about this. Let me walk with you in that. Do you have those people in your life? And if not, do you have someone you can pursue and say, hey, can we, can we build this kind of relationship? What kind of things am I removing from my life and what kind of things am I adding into it? This is about purity and maturity. As we grow in Christ, there's things that we'll see, hey, here's some things that I'm doing in my life that have nothing to do with God. I, I got to... Remove those. That's my old way of life. I gotta, like I take off a dirty, some dirty clothes, I got to take those off and set them aside and then put on something new. 
Anytime you take something off, you can put something new on in Christ. How am I utilizing my skills, talents, and abilities to further the kingdom of God? When was the last time I changed my plans for God's plans? I think sometimes we, we, we get something in our head. Okay, here's my plan. Here's how it's going to go. God, here's what you're going to do. Let me know when you're on board. And we see all these ways where God's trying to kind of redirect that. And we're just like, no, okay, God, you, you're missing the boat. You know, this is the plan, right? When was the last time we submitted our plans to his? Well, see, these are some of the topics we're talking about in the month ahead as we go through this series. But today, I want you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to talk about what's going on here in Colossians. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Colossians chapter 2. It will be on the screen as well. Um, if you want to go digital, we, we always encourage just getting God's Word as much as possible. Colossians is written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his sidekick, Timothy. That's not official, the sidekick part, but... You know, I'm sure if they were superheroes, he'd be a psychic. It's written to the church in Colossae. This is predominantly a Gentile area. Pretty much means that they weren't Jewish. And there are some Jews there, um, but it's predominantly a Gentile area. And this is a church that was started by someone called Epaphras, who was a missionary who now brings a report to Paul. Paul wanted to go there. He wanted to see what was going on. He wanted to uh, see what God was doing in and through this church in Colossae, but uh, he couldn't make it. If you know why, it's because he was in prison. He was in prison at the time. He wanted to go visit. And so Epaphras comes to him and says, hey, here is how the church is going. Here's some good things going on. And here's some concerns I have as well. And, and so Paul, in this heart of wanting to encourage them, even though he can't go there, he's like, let me send you this letter. And he writes what we now have today as Colossians together with Timothy. And it's a call to guard themselves from false teachings and false philosophies, philosophies of the world that don't follow according to God. Because there's good things that are happening. They're, they're being the church and there's growth, there's exciting things, and Paul wants to encourage them to keep on in that. But there's also some, some false teachings that are starting to creep their way in. One of the predominant ones was Gnosticism. And without getting into it too much, you can Google it more if you want to. Um, it kind of has this mindset of there's this secret knowledge that once, once you know that, then you'll understand. And it's kind of almost like modern-day Da Vinci Code kind of garbage. And, uh, and so the people are trying to infiltrate the church and, and, and pass off Gnosticism as truth. And so Paul's writing to them saying, no, stand firm in what you know to be true. This is very appropriate for us today because this is a road that many in the church are walking where we desire to grow in, in what's true and, and, and not get sidetracked by these worldly philosophies. But we see in all kinds of places, worldly philosophies, people say, oh, everyone's good. You know, yeah, we, we can walk with Jesus, but we don't need him too much because I'm, I'm good. I'm good enough. Or, or, or the, the, the thinking that God's only love, he's nothing else. He just loves you like you are, no matter what you're doing. Um, you don't need to change anything about yourself. God doesn't, you know, he, everything you want to do, you can go do. You can do whatever you want because God is, is only love and nothing else. Other false philosophies out there, people say, oh, you can do whatever you want. And, and if you believe it, it makes it true. So you can kind of, you know, pick and choose the things that you want to believe and they'll be, they'll be true for you. This, this relative truth, which just doesn't hold up. And so, Kind of a similar situation is going on in Colossae, and Paul wants to encourage them, and he wants to write to them, and so he, he does so. He says, hey, I, I can't be there with you in person, but I'm there with you in spirit. And he gets this point here in Colossians 2, verse 6. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And this is my prayer for us today. That this simple verse would just speak truth into our lives. Again, for some of you, this may be just some, some fundamental stuff that you know, you've heard before, but it's just coming back to some of these basics of what does it mean to walk in the Lord. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So in the same way that we receive Jesus, that's how we are to walk in him. So we have to ask the question, well, how did we receive Jesus? For this, we're going to flip to Ephesians chapter 2. Interestingly enough, Colossians and Ephesians are, are very similar. They're the two of the letters that Paul wrote from prison. Some theologians would say that Colossians was kind of like the, hey, let me give you my bullet points. And then Ephesians, like, okay, let me explain them and, and, and unpack them a little more. They go through a lot of the same topics as you read through the two side by side. Uh, the, the two, two different people groups, um, but they, they have a lot of similarities in that. But we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. God's done all the works, nothing that we did. God did the work, we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. So it's by grace through faith. Grace is, is this freely receiving the gift of God. God has given us a gift for us and we can freely receive it. And then the faith is trusting in Jesus for salvation. Receiving this gift that's offered us in Jesus. And then the faith is trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. When he said that he was God and proved it at the cross and the empty tomb, yes, I believe that's true. And placing our faith in that. It's hoping in what is unseen. We can look at the evidence, we can look at uh, the testimonies and see, yes, this is something that is true and place our faith in it. Well, in that same way that we receive Jesus, by grace through faith, this free gift, we, we couldn't do anything on our own, but God offered it to us freely in the same way, that's how we're to walk in him. In essence, you can say that's how we live life in Jesus. That's how we grow spiritually. It's by grace Freely receiving the work of God through faith. Trusting in God to do the work of sanctification. Sanctification is a big church word that basically means being made holy. Think of a French fry, okay? Not a fried one yet. One that you get in the bag and it's frozen and it's cold and it's really more just a potato, but it, it, it's, it's a French fry, right? You could pour a plate of them and say, here, I got you some French fries and... Okay, those are french fries, but they're not cooked. Sanctification is that process of putting it in the hot oil where it becomes golden brown and awesome and this thing that's just like holy and beautiful and you just want to eat and who wants to go have some lunch? Let's go another round again for communion. Um, just kidding. Really, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but sanctification is this process of, of, of being made and who God intended for us to be. Being made holy being refined, being made more like Jesus. The focus of this is Jesus. We grow in him by grace through faith. Jesus does the work of growth. We do our job as a work of trusting in Jesus. It started with and continues with him. We're looking at a couple different ways. I keep going back to turn our focus to Jesus. 
And again, it's a simple truth that I'm sure most, if not all of us in this room, have even heard before as we walk in Christ. But if there's anything we need to be reminded of, if there's, if there's anything we need to be challenged of, if there's anything we need to be encouraged by to see, hey, we're not the only one walking this road, it's walking in Christ. Trusting in Jesus not only for salvation, but for life. So walk in Him. Walk in Him, Colossians says. Have you ever heard phrases like, uh, or questions, someone ever asked you this question, what's new in your walk? How, how's your walk been these days? I don't know, I got a little bit of a limp because I stubbed my toe, but is that, is that what you're talking about? Well, that's just not where, I am, where I'm at right now in my walk. You hear that one if you ever, you know, you're calling a friend out like, hey, you, you want to go see this movie, but I don't think that movie is really something we should, we should be exposing ourselves to. Oh, yeah, I see how God's working. That's just not where I'm at my walk right now, so let's go watch it. It's almost as, you know, we can pawn it off, right? I, I don't need to deal with that because I'll just say, oh, I'm just not there right now. In these phrases, what people are talking about when they say their walk, it's about their journey with God. It's about where they are in their relationship with God. And this is actually something we see even early on with the Jews where they would use this phrase, walk, to refer to how one conducts their life. How's your walk? How, how are you living your life? Is really what's being asked in that question. The Greek for walk, uh, peripateo, means that this walk around. In, in essence, it's almost like you're saying, as you've received Jesus, so walk in him. So live your life in him. So walk around in the shoes of Jesus. Walk in him. Let your life be like his. This is, this is already a step we take when, we, when we're baptized. Because when we're baptized, we join with Jesus in dying to self and then being new. We see this in Romans 6, 3-4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How awesome is that? That when we walk with Christ, and we trust in Him for salvation. We trust in Him for daily life. We've already started this process. We gave our life to Him, and we received Him as Lord and Savior. And then we took the next step of being baptized. And now let's every day live in that process of dying to self and finding new life in Christ. We see the same theme in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to jump ahead a little bit to verse 11. It says, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. The circumcision is talking about here is the people of God in the Old Testament were circumcised as a sign of their covenantal relationship with God. Basically saying God has made us a promise that we will be his people and he will bless not only us but all people through our line. And part of that covenant at one point was baptism. I'm sorry, was circumcision. And so that... that, that What's been talked about is in him also you, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. You were brought into the family of God by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Again, we see that same theme again. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you are apart from God. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. <coughs> the 
because of the work of Jesus, because of what he did at the cross, because he overcame death, not only is there salvation, but there's sanctification, but there's growth in him when we walk in him. We see two pictures here as we continue in Colossians 6 and 7. Two pictures of what it means to be established in Jesus. One is of a plant and one is a construction project. We see this call to be rooted in him. Rooted in him. One way we can look at this is kind of our private life. You don't see the roots of a plant, right? Most of the time you don't. But they're there. And they dictate a lot about the health of that plant. You know, spring's coming and... and one of the things I like about spring is I can see all the weeds I didn't take care of last fall, and I can get them now. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's squirrels or for how you know, they're planting you get these little whirly gigs that basically grow into small trees in our flower gardens. And so I'll go and I'll, I'll pull those out. And I, I get to something that they're barely a foot tall. I, I go to pull it out thinking this is going to be a quick yank like a dandelion. And it's not. I mean, I, I'm fighting that thing. I'm practically giving myself a hernia. I'm wrapping my hand around it, trying to pull it out, and it, it's fighting back. And I, I eventually, I dig it out, or I finally get that, you know, I finally beat the plant. And I look, and it's just got one long, deep root. I, I was waiting to kind of pull up half my flower bed the way this thing was like stuck in there, but just that one root was enough to secure it firmly in the ground. A deep root is a secure base for the plant to grow. Wide roots provide nourishment and give life to a plant, but both are necessary. You ever seen a tree after a storm that had wide roots, but they weren't deep? Water was maybe readily available for this tree on, on the surface, and so it was never encouraged to grow deep roots, and so it had this really wide uh, structure of, of roots, as wide as canopy, but then a big storm comes, and the whole thing just kind of topples over and brings the ground up with it because it just takes off this top layer. So we need to be both deep and wide in our roots. What is this talking about? Well, think of deep roots as our core beliefs. What we know to be true, it brings stability and strength. These are our non-negotiables. We believe salvation is found in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is God's word to us. <coughs> think of wide roots as our knowledge about God. We need to be, keep growing in both of these who we know him to be. This brings life and encouragement. As a follower of Jesus, do, do we know what we believe? Are we learning? Are we rooted in him? Are we exploring theology and the things of God so that we can be sure of our convictions, deeply rooted in him, and we can know a lot about who our God is? And that will dictate as to how we go and live our lives. So we can be rooted in him, we can be built up in him. This is a construction project, is the language that's being used here. And when you build something right, there's an order and a process. First this wall goes up, then this one, the steps that take place. This is kind of our life as it's seen by others, the roots you don't see. You can have someone like, hey, you know, it looks like they're really growing in Christ, but then all of a sudden a crisis happens and they just fall apart because they had no roots. This is the other side. This is what we see on the outside. First you lay a foundation. Everything is built on that. That foundation is that of Jesus. Then the walls go up and the roof go up and that, that kind of locks it all together. At that point, you can kind of fill in all the interiors of what that looks like. And what's interesting is as you get down to the very final steps of the internals and the decorations, you can have homes that were built with the same plan, with the same steps, and they look very different, Right? They're all built on the same on solid foundations in Christ. They've they're, got the walls and the roof to hold it all together. But maybe the, the decor 
is a little different or the styling is a little different and that's okay as we are built up in christ you are not going to be built up in the same way the person next to you is your story is different your context is different what god is doing in your life is different and it's okay to be different as long as we're unified in one spirit in one jesus in one purpose so if you have a friend who goes to a different church and they have a different style of worship, they use different instruments, they preach a little differently, they have videos instead of live, or, or whatever it would be, that's okay. As we see that diversity in the body, there's beauty in that as we're being built up individually and corporately. Maybe even there's some gray areas in, in life where we come to different conclusions on. You know, this is why I think uh, alcohol becomes a, a common conversation where two people who both love god can come to very different conclusions and it depends on some other things someone say hey you know i think we should abstain from that and it shouldn't have any place in our lives and others would say hey as long as we do it in a way that follows what the scriptures we see that follows our government that does not cause anyone else to stumble that there's no problem with it and those two brothers and sisters that they can join together in communion with each other and be in fellowship and do life together and grow together in Christ even though they differ. As we're built up in Him, it takes time and it happens over time. Imagine if I had a cup up here and a seed, I put the seed in and I watered and fertilized it, what's going to happen? Nothing. It's going to be a seed. A minute later, nothing. Yes, it's going to grow eventually, and that's going to be taking place, but visibly what we're seeing happen is nothing. It's like, hey, this is no different. I think that's sometimes how we feel, because it happens slowly over time, but as we continue to stay in that soil, as we continue to be watered, then next thing you know, okay, something begins to bud, and roots begin to grow deep, and growth begins to happen. And sometimes it, it, it's very quickly like a flower that opens up overnight, but we can know that Jesus is still at work in us, and he will work to completion. Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So let's be rooted in him. Let's be built up in Jesus. Let's be established in the faith. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about a parable. It talks about wise and foolish builders. It says that the wise builder builds his house on the rock, and the foolish builder builds his house on the sand. And what's interesting about this parable is the same storm, the same heartache comes by each home. But the home that's built on the sand is destroyed, and the home that's built on the rock stands. Because it's been established in Jesus. It's been established on a firm foundation. A time will come where our faith is tested. Just circumstances of life can come that will rock our faith. For me, it's been some of those things where, where a loved one gets sick, especially if you're a parent, if your kid gets sick to the point where they're in the hospital, especially if it's something that's unknown. And you have, it doesn't matter if they find out eventually, it's no big deal, we can treat it with meds. Those days of unknown, rock your faith. Maybe it's your own health. Maybe it's a job situation or, or a pending bankruptcy or foreclosure on a home or whatever it would be, relationships that, that are falling apart, loss of a loved one. As we go through some of these challenges, our, our faith is tested. But when we stand on the rock of Jesus, we turn our focus to him, our house will not fall. 
And Paul says, just as you were taught. So we can go back to the things we've already learned and use those to firm up our foundation. We can use those to walk in him. And so the question I have for us is, when did you first learn about Jesus? How how were you taught about him? Because there's something through that that God used to awaken your heart, to soften your heart, to receive him. Let's continue in that. Continue to grow in knowing who Jesus is. Get into your Bible for yourself. Ask questions. Share your doubts with others as we lean into and explore Jesus. So many times I see this where someone's like, I have questions. This doesn't make sense. I reject it. I advise you to go the other way here at Meadowland. If you say, I have questions, I have struggles, I I want to reject who God is, run to Him. Let Him reveal Himself to you and show Himself to be your God. Investigate. Let us be people who are, are wise, who are willing to say, hey, when someone brings a new thought to us or a new theory, we say, okay, what does God's Word say about that? Well, what, is, what would Jesus say to that? I had a friend sent me a message uh, the other day, and they said, hey, Steve, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo of this on my body. And here's some of my questions and my concerns. And I, I love questions like that, because what I hear them saying is they're saying, hey, I'm not sure what God would think about that. Can we, can we have a conversation? We had a, a great conversation about it. And, and I, I'm not saying I have all the answers. It can be any brother or sister in Christ, but we can have those conversations. Let's not be afraid of those questions. Let's lean in to see the heart of God. Let's be wise and investigate. Have you ever had fish for dinner? you ever gone fishing? Do you know what fish smells like? It smells like fish. you ever had lutefisk? Lutefisk, okay, you have. <laughs> lutefisk is a, a, a Swedish or Norwegian delicacy. That's what they tell me. I don't feel the same way. It's, it's stinky fish. That's a rough translation. Uh, but it's, a, it's stinky fish. If something smells fishy, it's probably fish. It's probably fishy. I've had those guys come to my house, and, and um, they're not with my utility company, but I've had one before where they come posing. They, they never say, I'm with your utility company. Just, but the words they use, the, the language they speak, they hide the truth of, of who they are and really why they're there. They, they, they want to sell you something. That's fine. If you want to sell me something, come and say, hey, I believe in this product and I want to sell it to you. This is what it is, and be straightforward about it. But the fact they need to hide it, I'm real straight up with them. like, hey, just your sales tactic, I'm, I'm, I'm already, my, my spidey senses are going off. This already smells fishy. You're having to hide what you're selling. It's like you got a car that you know is a lemon, but you give it a quick rattle can paint, paint job. And, and you always stand in one spot when you're showing off the car because you're hiding that one spot you don't want anyone to see. If it smells fishy, hey, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, as a, as a Christian community, man, we dropped the ball on this one. We fall for it. I mean, I don't know how many Nigerian princes that we've supported through the internet. I'm just kidding. Investigate what people claim against God. Go to his word. See what Jesus would say about that. Talk to a trusted brother or sister in Christ. Say, help me understand this. Let's not get caught up and deceived by worldly philosophies, but by let's be a people of truth digging into God's word.
Let's turn our focus to Jesus. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. All of God dwells in Christ. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. You've been filled in Jesus, and he is the head of all rule and authority. So as we grow and as we learn new things, let's take it to the person of Jesus. Okay, does this hold up? Another question off this, as we're talking about how we've been taught, that is worth asking is, how are we being taught about Jesus beyond Sunday mornings? What does that look like for you in your life? Beyond Sunday mornings, what does that look like? Imagine if every time you got into God's Word, every time you heard a sermon, every time you had a conversation with a friend about, hey, what do you think God's heart is on this? What do you think this passage means? Hey, I was reading this from the Old Testament. This sounds really screwy. Help me understand. Imagine every moment like that, jumping into a devotional, uh, reading Scripture just for the sake of reading Scripture. Imagine every moment like that as a meal. For some of us, we have one meal a week. That's Sunday morning. Imagine that was your physical diet. Hey, this Sunday we're going to have a dinner. Come on out. You can stuff your face, you can eat all you want, you can have as much as you want, but after that your next meal is not until next Sunday. If you made it till next Sunday, and then the next week, you're not going to be very healthy. You're not going to be very strong. And I've seen so many brothers and sisters in Christ say, hey, I'm not growing in my faith, but they're starving themselves on God's word. So let's find other ways of surrounding ourselves with God's word. Let's have a plan. Let's get into God's word. If you need a place to start, start in Mark. The New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start reading one of the Gospels. Mark is probably one of the easiest ones. You can go to uh, Uversion online. It's, it's an app available on, on Android, available on uh, Apple. And it has a whole list of plans. You want to read about, hey, what do I do when I've lost in my life? They have a 30-day reading plan on that. Hey, you know, I'd love to read through the Bible chronologically. Because the way it's listed in our, in our scriptures, it's not chronological. Okay, I want to read chronologically. Okay, you, there's, there's a Bible plan for that. You know what? I've never read the whole Bible. I'd love to read it in a year. Maybe that's where you're at. Okay, there's plans for that. Get a plan. And if you get behind, it's okay. It's okay. How are you being taught about Jesus beyond Sunday mornings? Be established in the faith just as you were taught. In closing, abounding in thanksgiving. This, this word where we get abounding, persuade, it has to do with excess and abundance. Think about it this way. Think of overflowing. It's not saying be thankful. It's saying be overflowing in thankfulness. And this really serves us in staying focused on Jesus. That there was a practice in, in uh, the Passover meals. When we talk about Passover these past couple weeks, uh, this was where the, the Jews would celebrate and remember what God had done for them in Egypt, right? They were slaves in Egypt, and, and God said, hey, here, here's my last plague. This is going to happen. This angel of death is going to come. And if you kill this lamb and put this blood over your doorpost, uh, the angel of death will pass over your home, and no one will be harmed. And so every year after that, uh, the Jews would celebrate Passover, and there was a song they would sing at their Passover meals called Dainu. And what Dainu means, roughly translated, is it would have been enough. It would have been enough. And they talk through the story of God releasing his people from Egypt and then going with them through the desert. 
as the years went on and God continued to move, that the stanzas could expand. In essence, it would be something like this from, from our perspective. God, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Die in you. That would have been enough. But he also defeated death and rose from the grave. Dianu, that would have been enough. But you also offered forgiveness of our sins through his death so that we can stand before you perfect and be with you in paradise. Dianu, that would have been enough. But you've given us life, an example of a life to follow in Jesus as we live our lives. Dianu, that would have been enough. But you give us the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us as a seal upon us so that we can't be snatched away. Dianu, that would have been enough. But you, you give us gifts and abilities to go and be about your mission. You let us be a, about your work and participate in your holy work. Dianu, that would have been enough. And, and this, you continue to say, man, i got so much to be thankful for. Hey, you, you've given me a family to call my own. Dianu, that would have been enough. You've given me a roof over my head and food on my plate. Dianu, that would have been enough. You've given me a, a church home where I can belong and know that I'm loved and ask questions. And it's okay that I don't have it all together. Diana, that would have been enough. And as we begin to just see all the different ways that God has already blessed us, our troubles kind of get pushed aside and the focus on them isn't as much anymore. And our focus on the things of this world begins to fade away as our focus turns more and more to a view of eternity. So church, because he is risen, let us walk in him. Let us be a people that walk around in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you for who you are. Yeah, I know it's a simple, straightforward truth that we get from Colossians 2, 6, and 7 of just walking in you, Jesus. But we sit here before you as a people who want to grow in our relationship with you. We want to grow in being used by you, Father, to reach our community with the good news of you, Jesus. We want to be a people who are continually refined, that the old will be cast aside and that the new will be brought and realized. Help us to be rooted in you and built up. Establish a firm foundation for us as we're taught in you, Jesus. We thank you that we can take a step of trust in you as our Lord and Savior. And that we, in the same way that baptism we share with you in the death, burial, and resurrection, that we can share with you in life. So as we go forward from this point, walking in you, Father God, let us live our lives for you with a, a true focus of eternity. Every morning, let us die to self and live for you, seeking your heart being taught in you. Praise on your name. Amen.